Hendy. And today, guys, we have Dave on our podcast. And Dave and I met actually only a few weeks ago. We met at the Ultra X um, event. I say it's an event. It was a birthday, wasn't it? Ian, Ian, Ian Morgan's 50th birthday, run 50K for 50 years was the kind of, that was the, the <laughs> that's what they sold to us anyway. And uh, you joined us, uh, was it Richmond Park? I think? I, yeah, I did just the second leg, I think. Yeah, you joined us there and uh, we started kind of running and we started chatting and realized that we actually had quite a lot in common in terms of you know, our beliefs and, and obviously running and um, being associated with Ultra X and, and all those different things. But the thing that really sort of got me was that you have started this charity called Project Iron Souls. And I came back, I, I came back and I, um, I text Chris straight away. I was like, right, I've met this guy today. And that all sounded very weird, but you know, I met him. I was like, and, and he's got this charity and it really aligns with everything we talk about and what we do. And, you know, I want to bring him on the podcast. What do you think? And then Chris went off and had a little research and he's like, yeah, yeah, no, this all sounds really interesting. So here you are. And uh, so I guess like it would be really nice maybe if you could tell our listeners a little bit about you, Dave, a little bit about the charity and, and how it all came about and um, what you've been up to. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I'll talk about the charity first. I mean, the charity, we're very much in our infancy um, and the charity sort of came about last year if you like it was really born actually in the lockdown strangely enough um but last year we i spent a lot of time with veterans fellow friends and stuff who um i can see on a day-to-day basis are struggling with various things various mental health issues um lots of people with anxiety problems sleep problems and then obviously people that i'm meeting through my coaching job as well so i'm seeing guys in the gym who are also sort of involved in the military and stuff and my background is, has always been sport since the age of nine, which I'll talk about in a bit. But basically, I, I thought that there would be a, a really good way of trying to combine the two things together. And fitness for me has always been obviously a passion, but it's always been like a coping mechanism. And it's one way I've always dealt with sort of life's sort of twists and turns as I've gone, if you like. Um, and I just felt that there was such a... A, such an invaluable crossover if we could do it properly and I know a lot of people use um, sport in various things as you know team building and all this type of stuff but I really wanted to use it as a sort of try and find a way of using it to create a community um, and a community of veterans whether that's military veterans police veterans fire service it's not just about working with military um, so bringing this sort of community together and then using sport to sort of help people whether it's through uh, confidence you know taking them out of their sort of into new environments doing things they haven't done um, educating people you know helping people become coaches these are all sort of things that we, we want to do um, but it was really born in 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 the lockdown and I was sat watching um, the obviously everything unfold with the NHS and the issues we were having with the PPE and the crisis and that was unfolding in front of us all and I said to the guy I work with, who's helped me a lot, HR4K London, um, which, is a, which is a veteran-owned uh, company. And these guys have helped tremendously sort of put me in touch with various people. And that's, that was really the stepping stone I needed to take it from my sort of, sort of thoughts in my head to making it a reality. Um, 
and we got started and I, I saw in the lockdown that there was like an opportunity and there's a lot of people obviously isolated, which was a real concern. And if we could try and unite everyone through some sort of common cause, which at the time was going to be, I felt like a fitness, a fitness, um, not competition, because that's not the right word, but like a virtual fitness event. Nothing too crazy, something that everybody could take part in. It was open to everyone. Um, and, and that's what we really did. And we created this 24 hour, it sounds nuts now, does it? <laughs> we created a 24 hour fitness challenge. And essentially what we wanted people to do was come on board with a partner. Okay, so it was all like a virtual thing. So we'd have two people. So if we were doing it together, there was 12 workouts over a 24 hour period. And each of those workouts were dedicated to either a fallen soldier, so they're what we call hero workouts. So there, there was real meaning behind the chosen workouts that we chose. And we also created some NHS hero workouts as well that we created ourselves, which we dedicated to people that we'd seen on the news that obviously had passed away sadly through obviously what was going on. Um, and what we were going to do is we, we created like a you go, I go workout where someone would train through the workout for an hour and then the next hour your partner would do it. Some people did it for the full 24 hours. Some people just did it um, for, you know, just a couple of hours during the day. But what we did do over that 24 hour period was A, we managed to raise quite a bit of money for the, for the NHS, which was amazing. The feedback I got, the, the, the sort of the, the, the best feedback we got was the amount of people that needed something at that particular time to help them. And that wasn't really my intention at the time. It was to raise money for the, for the NHS so that we could buy lots of PPE. And we, we ended up raising about 5,000 um, pounds. And that was all sent out to various hospitals and stuff. But the feedback was just fantastic. And all these people were, were contacting us and just like this community was formed. And, and that community really then turned into Project Health. And it sort of just evolved from there really. Um, so we're working with loads of different people since then. Um, we're, we're working some more in depth with the military where we're trying to, well, the people that are, that are working with us are trying to sort of hunt out best ways that we can make sort of transitional um, transitions basically for the guys that are leaving. And we work a lot with um, sort of special forces community and people like that and sort of the firearms and police and people. So it's, we're working in with people in a very stressful environment and people that are um, on a day-to-day -day, yeah, subjected to a lot of stress. So these are the people that we're trying to help. A lot of the people naturally have come into our circle through through sport or through fitness, whether that be CrossFit, running, um, skiing. My background is skiing as well, so we're, we're looking into doing that or climbing. These are all the sort of circles that we're, we're sort of drawing people from. Um, and we're essentially just trying to build this community of network of companies, people and individuals where we can create this system where we can help people that are in, in, in need that to really sort of, I don't know, transition them into a state where they're going to be in a healthy environment and not sadly at the moment, there's, I don't know you guys see on the news, obviously there's so many veterans that are in suicide still. Um, and it just seems to be that lads are getting, there's people dying and then the MOD release another statement and saying how, how awful it is. And, and there's a real, there's a real gap between what's happening and actually what we can actually do with it. And that's what we're really trying to sort of cross over, if that makes sense. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. No, no, no. This is <laughs> Dave. This is the first time I've met, obviously. So this is a, okay. it's, and it's really, it's really nice to kind of really find out kind of where where this has come from. But yeah. there's a couple of things there that obviously resonate really uh, a lot with what we do and people we work with is that isolation. You know that increased yeah. anxiety, the stress, like it all has a compounding impact on on us all to a certain degree. But how we manage that, deal with that, cope with that, and obviously you're talking about individuals that are dealing with red levels, the maximal yeah. levels of all of those there things. And the, the one of the things I've, I find, and really we've talked about this a lot, is that isolation is is a, is a killer in a nice you know because it puts us in our own heads and then obviously once you're in your own head you just go round and round until you kind of break yourself down and like we this this concept that you've you know the concept that you went through the you know the, the partner workout and yeah. I, i've literally just had this on a workout with my brother-in-law and i, I normally I, I train often on my own and the empowering feeling right we didn't you know it wasn't no ego involved it was just like this the fact that we're just you know, the, the conversation back and forth like we both kind of suffered a little bit in the workout but it was, it was back and forth and it was you know it's just very refreshing and again on the lowest smallest uh variable like I, I train in isolation. I yeah. trained with, with my brother-in-law. Massive yeah. difference. Very, I have a very great feeling right now from doing that. And yeah. what you're doing, I, I can see it's it has it's got a catalyst there. To it's what people need, right? We need people. Yes. Yeah, we need 100%. And I think that's a really common ground, isn't it, across the board? Whether it's veterans to you know doctors, nurses, teachers, whoever it is, it's it's that common thing, isn't it? Like, when you I think about at the moment. Yeah, and when you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like you have those those physical needs of water, food, roof over your head, intimacy, all that kind of stuff. But then you also have the the kind of psychological needs as well, which we know, like the, the you know Mas that's that's one model. There's also Williams' model of psychology, which talks very much about how when when we become um, depressed for example when we become um isolated and that we, we you know we may become depressed because of isolation but actually sometimes we become depressed and then isolation follows and 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 the further you get into isolation the further you go into yourself the lack of contribution yet the lack of you know the lack of kind of feelings of purpose the, the worse it all becomes and and I'm very very aware and I've said this to Chris so many times, and, and particularly in lockdown, I it, it was heightened, but I'm very, very aware that when the going gets tough for me, I have this tendency to, to, to go into myself. But I'm also very, very conscious that it's the worst thing I can possibly do because as soon as I become isolated, my negative thoughts become more dominant. And that's exactly what happens to everybody else. It's not just me. I'm not. I'm not an, an individual in this. That's exactly what happens to all of us. Is that when we become isolated, our negative thoughts become more dominant, and then you go down that, you know, you go down that rabbit hole of I'm not good enough. I need to do more. I need to prove myself. Except and and I'm on my own, and nobody cares. And it, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And like you said, as soon as you throw in a community as soon as you throw in something that people can be part of you change things you you change the the kind of the thought processes of that individual just just by creating that community and it's one of the reasons why I started train brave 
in the first place was to provide a community so that people who had difficult relationships with food and exercise didn't feel alone because they all think they're the only people suffering in it. And then suddenly we opened up this kind of space and this really safe space where people could be very honest about what they were experiencing and and other people were going, yeah, no, but I feel like that too. And, and that's really normal. And the thing I loved, yeah. And the thing I, 100%. And the thing I loved about, train Brave when we first started it was it was around christmas time and there was some you know as usual like lots of ridiculous um headlines you know how to burn off your mince pie and and you know how to stave off the christmas bulge and all this ridiculousness but what was really nice was because we'd created this kind of um this community and this safe space people were like train brave what do you think about this and and then there was all these people behind us and we got a lot of these headlines turned and I just think you know there is definitely something to be said that we you get there's definitely like a a bravery in numbers and um so yeah I think you know the reason why I wanted to bring you on the podcast was because I have a real soft spot for anything that's to do with mental health um because of the work I do, because of my own experiences of mental health, both personally and also, you know, supporting somebody through mental health issues. Like, and I feel like mental health is is obviously a very big and broad subject. And I also think it can be quite flippantly thrown around as well. And, you know, when you're working with individuals like you are, like the people you're talking about and the people Chris and I work with and the experiences I've seen with my own eyes, that's when you really understand the impact having poor mental health can have on someone's life. And I just think it's it's important that we support these individuals and know let them know that they're not alone. I think that was the, the loveliest thing. That I, I, when, when the initial shock of lockdown happened for me, um, Sort of a couple of weeks, and I'm sure everyone was the same. I mean, but I everything had closed. I stopped work, and I was home, and and everything was sort of thrown up in the air. Once that shock had actually settled, um, and then the process started with Iron Souls, I just I don't think I could have actually have planned that. If I tried to, it's just the way it naturally happened, and the way and I think it just it evolved really, and it continues to evolve and continue to meet people like yourselves and other people. And I get introduced to someone, and it's it's just really nice how it's how it's growing at the moment. Um, I mean, my my background originally with sport is ski racing, alpine ski racing, which I started when I was nine. I competed on the national team and had a very successful career up until I was eighteen. And I was sort of I, I've, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts, and I remember one we talking about um, coaching, and I was overcoached at the age of fifteen. Uh, to the point where I hated what I was doing. I was at the peak of my you know, sport. I was on the England team and I was winning races and I just hated it. It was a really sort of peculiar experience to go through when I look back now. And just being able to um, just to benefit other people from that. So using the skills that, that, that I have from skiing, whether that's teaching or coaching or you know the, the friends I have that I've met I can hopefully get involved in the charity. That's one of the things I really want to do is to get skiing involved in Project Science Solved. 
because I feel that the mountains is such an incredible place. Hmm. It's, a real, it's a real leveler, isn't it, when you go into the mountains? Even in the summertime, when you go to the mountains, it's incredible. So what I would love to do, one of the things we're really trying to focus on moving forward is putting together um, some sort of trip where we can um, take a group of guys that have never been in that sort of environment and need our help to take them out. That's sort of life-changing yes. experiences yeah. that we might be able to give people, hopefully help them and steer them so they can take yeah. stuff from that. And then I definitely... Definitely yeah. missed the mountains myself this year. Obviously, it was due to uh, fly out tomorrow. <laughs> but obviously, that's not happening. Um, but yeah, the mountains are definitely where I go to recharge and to balance my mental health. And I have questioned this year whether one of the reasons I feel like I've been on the brink again of kind of feeling quite low, there's so much that's happened. It's hard to hard to say, you know, we've had COVID and... My business has grown ridiculously fast and there's been a lot of um, change. But, you know, normally in a given year, I would always have at least one trip to the mountains because I know it's it's my place. It's where I, yeah, it's where I restore. It's where I get energy from. It's, it's where I feel most myself. I can't really explain it any better than that. It's just that's where I definitely feel connected. Yeah, exactly. And obviously I've not been able to get out to the mountains at all this year and I can't really see it happening this year. Um, and I have questioned, you know, is that one of the reasons why I'm struggling a little bit more than normal? But, you know, it could be so many different things, right? <laughs> so, uh, I get it. It's finding balance, isn't it? Like for, I think for everyone, like we, you know, we talk about all these individuals. I mean, we've got multiple, but for a lot of people, it's that finding that balance. We work with a lot of people who are performance driven, they you know they've got they want what they need to do more 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 and more and more but we we, you know, we talk about this a lot where we, we often the training's easy bit is trying to give them other things to be think to, to give them the grounding that they need you know socially is it work is it is it family is it, is it like you know relationships i mean you guys talk about the mountains it's you know it's just getting out into the wilderness it's like it's kind of detaching yourself from the stresses of life i mean you know i've been going back to dave you know talk about the stresses of these individuals that you're working with the stress that they're under is phenomenal and it's 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 ongoing for a long period of time to the point where it becomes a, a normal thing to a in a crazy way and then to come back into society where potentially life is dull boring gray i mean i don't know you know like what we know those kind of searching for that that, yeah that that thing yeah i get that and that's the thing right it's like how do you ground that give that person like that the release but like it's that natural release and you you know really i know you talk about the mountains all the time and that dave obviously same thing for you and your skiing and I went camping, wild camping last week, and you know that for me, I was completely detached from my phone and my laptop. Man, complete release for me. Like, but it's it's that balance, man. It's always about balance. You know, trying to improve someone's health through balance and mental, physical. It's generally it's about balance, right? But how you go about that, it's going to be it's individual to the to the individual you're working with, I suppose. I also wonder, like with with the veterans that you're talking about, Dave. Obviously, a lot of them will have experienced and seen some incredibly difficult scenarios and circumstances. And I don't know, like I'm literally asking you the question because I don't know whether this is the case, but I wonder how much support there is for them during that. But also, 
like we used to see it in when we work in very high performance sport there's a they they have this program where they they transition people out of sport because they've got this identity associated with their sport and that suddenly to lose that we know can can throw them into a sense of well who am I and what's my purpose and what am I doing and I wonder if it's a similar thing with the veterans that you're speaking to and working with is like suddenly they've been in these incredibly intense environments a lot of them and then it's like well well, what happens now like what do I do now Uh, like do you know much about what support they receive or is that kind of the gap you're trying to fill so there is I mean I don't know firsthand but I do know from the people that I've spoken to I mean it's a lot better now the support and what obviously what it used to be um but I do know that I had a friend last year who initially seeked help and I spoke spoken to that person and they contacted a charity um very well known one and they had to wait six months from that initial conversation to being assessed by a nurse and then from that point they had to wait another three months so you're already eight months and this is where my brain initially started going and I was watching and talking to that person throughout the whole of that time and luckily that person was quite an active physical person but if they hadn't have been um, I feel that they, the, the story would have been a very different one but my, my point was that because the charity was doing a fantastic job and it's not because they weren't doing a fantastic job it was just because the demand is so high and they don't have enough people to to literally to cater for the demand that's coming through now um and that's where i thought wouldn't it be amazing if we could fill that eight month gap with something you know what i mean whether it was walking in wales or this is how the this is how the whole process started or you know kayaking or windsurfing on a beach or, or whatever it was just doing something where we're bringing people together creating that community um, and then giving them something to to complement the therapy they're going through so that's something i'm not trying to i'm not a, a psychologist or anything i'm not trying to treat people's trauma i'm just trying to give them something to help them on their on their recovery path which is what the charity is about. Yeah, and it's it's kind of, again, why we... Similar reasons why we Train Brave was created, because, you know, the demand for the, for the support that people need... Like, I know it, in some parts of the country, individuals searching for help with the NHS from an eating disorder, it's, it's over a 12-month wait, you know, which is, again, this is not having a go at the NHS this is just the demand of of the situation and what we noticed particularly with with individuals that weren't physically noticeably physically as sick but cognitively were it was even longer a wait for them because you know they were active individuals that you know the people we work with are individuals that do do a lot of sport um, and through their sport and the kind of finding sport as a coping mechanism taking it to a point where it becomes dysfunctional has then created disordered eating as as well so these individuals there was nothing for these people like nothing because the 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 typical services in the nhs are for pure eating disorders not for eating disorders within sport and that was kind of what 
yeah and that's what sent me to that's what made me develop the clinic first as a as a place people could come to but then also understanding that not everybody can access that clinic one because there was only one of me but also because financially it's not possible for everybody and so this is why we then created train brave and now we've got the train brave podcast and like why i use my instagram very much as a platform for education because i'm very very conscious that you probably still have to be fairly privileged to come and work with me and 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 that's something i struggle with but by offering the podcast offering the resources on on my on my instagram on our website I feel like, you know, I can still help a lot of people. And we do, we get lots of people who email in and say, you know, I've been listening to your podcast all throughout lockdown and it's it's prevented me from going backwards. Or, you know, I've been listening to your podcast and, and now I've, you know, if it's a female, I've got my period back and I've, I'm having a baby. And, and, and these these are obviously lovely, lovely messages to get. And um, yeah, I think, I think sometimes it's hard to help you know it's hard to kind of express to people why we do what we do um but often again it comes from a place where you've probably experienced something yourself and you're very whether it's you or somebody close to you and you're then wanting to provide something back um either because you've received something that's benefited you or because you can see that if you'd had that it would have maybe you know, made life a lot less complicated, should we say? I mean, I, when I packed up ski racing when I was 18, I was that person that you just described that just literally was wandering around in circles, didn't know what to do with myself because my whole life been evolved around ski racing and didn't, didn't know how to go from being the best at something I was into the, the normal world, the real world. And, and where do I start? Almost starting from fresh, starting from scratch. It's a big shock, isn't it? There's a um, percentage of people, obviously, that has really suggested the says there that can work things out for themselves if you give them the right environment, you know, like support, you know, getting them doing things that they're not used to doing, making them think, make, get them, you know, not, not get them uncomfortable, but get them outside of their, their kind of normal normality. And because it allows them to start to actually realize that actually life isn't that bad, like there are things worth living for potentially, you know, like, and that's. You know, then you start to maybe layer in some very simple education, you know, into some values that they can really start to kind of hone in on. And I imagine that, Dave, that's probably what, what you're, where you're thinking. And that's what obviously what you're looking to do is create environments where you can have like a basic support structure around them. But then obviously then start to layer in some basic ideas or idealisms that they can then work with because obviously that's that's what the podcast is here for is just to kind of give that give that message out that there is support there that there are things that you can really start to do now that you can actually start to change you know bring into new habits that can really really shift shift your shift your behaviors and i think that's obviously what we're seeing with a lot of people that are uh, calling in on the podcast but similar with you you know taking someone into the mountains completely out of their comfort zone potentially opens their eyes to like what else is out there and the power, yeah, and the power of that is huge, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. I think, I think the the mountains is is a, like you say, it's such a powerful thing. I think it can be across all all types of you know. Obviously, there's a lot of a lot of veterans who who might not have been able to sort of skiing. Your typical skiing holiday is quite an expensive thing to do. Like we're talking about being able to afford these sort of things as well. So there will be a lot of people out there maybe haven't been able to be in that type of environment before mm. uh, and showing them like you say that 
that this is accessible and you know i mean i would love to be able to teach people to to, to teach other people to ski for instance you know people who haven't been able to do that uh, or, or i mean we've got a whole i'm very lucky we've got quite a nice group of people with a whole array of different skills and teaching qualifications through different sports um, whether it's climbing to, to kayaking to skiing to diving uh, running all sorts of different stuff so we're going to really tap into these but yeah it's exciting so well so you had that <clears throat> stumping like that block that period when you came out of skiing yourself 18 19 year old man like i think we all have those periods of time where we're kind of trying trying to work things out and you know like and it's amazing how many of our how many people we work with who are they panic about that you know they really struggle with that kind of that young 18 you know 18 to 22 or 23 years old you know i need to know exactly what i'm doing with my life and it's like man you don't like just kind of go with it you know like learn educate get experiences i mean really we've got a couple of people we're working with right now who they're just dead set on they need to know exactly what's going on what how it's gonna look and you know as you know dave it's it, it's not written nothing's written you have to kind of walk it don't you yeah, and it changed. Yep. <laughs> I mean, my, yeah, I've been on a, a, a journey, if you like, throughout, you know, I'm 46 now, and at various points, my life's gone off in a different direction that maybe I thought it wouldn't have gone off. But it's always, I've always have, have had sport involved in this some way or another. Um, but yeah, 100%. I think you've just got to trust the process as well, haven't you? Well, really, what would you say to the girl? Like, so, say for instance, we got you know a couple of our ladies that we, we talk to, and, and we you know they had that that, that certain that certain mindset that they have where they have to. What would you? How would we go about? How would you go about kind of helping with that thought that mind, that thought process? I think the difficulty is that so many people want certainty that they're gonna do something and then that's it. It's almost like they wanna they get it right and then not have to think again and you know, the first thing I always say to people is that there is no certainty, especially when you're 18, 19, and you make these decisions about your career, and you think, right, that's what I'm going to do. But you've never had any experience of it. So how can you be certain that it's what you want to do for the next 50 years? Like, you have no idea, right? So I think it's one of the things about uncertainty. And I think we've said this before on the podcast is that the brain is, um, it's a really complicated organ, like the most complicated probably bit of machinery that's ever been invented. And it's always looking for answers. So when it feels uncertainty and chaos and mess and, and no answers, it goes in search of an anchor. It goes in search of an answer. And with these individuals that we work with in particular, because they tend to be vulnerable, they tend to have low self-esteem and low self-worth, um, what happens is they tend to then find a definitive negative. So it's like, if I don't work it out now, then I'm a failure. Like it's that real definitive negative, even though there's no fact in that, that's what they've held on to because it's much easier to accept the, I don't know, uh, much easier to accept the, that's not going to work out than I don't know. But in reality, none of us know, like, we all have businesses, we all have work at the moment, but none of us know if they're going to be okay tomorrow, next week, the month after. Like, if we look at the global pandemic, like Dave, you said, everything changed for you overnight. Like, one day you're working and the next day you're not. And then you're having to find ways of dealing with that. So I think, I think the difficulty is that 
the individuals we work with are so fearful of failing. They're so worried about how they're perceived and the judgment of others that they're too scared to take a wrong foot. But I think all three of us here, and, you know, we're all in our sort of, you know, 30s and above, we've all taken big risks. We've all kind of started something without that worry of will it work out? Because if you think too far in the future, you'd never do anything, right? And that's why I really like the kind of, that kind of like there's been a lot of talk recently about stoicism and I think people misunderstand what being stoic is I think people think being stoic is being kind of just like non-emotional which is not what it's about at all when you start looking at what stoicism is stoicism is about being very mindful and looking what it is you know in this immediate moment it's not about looking too far in the future so if we continually live in the future we make assumptions because none of us actually know what's going to happen in the future Uh, but if you make those assumptions fact you then respond to that so then your behaviors mean that you you respond to that with behaviors of fear of well I can't do that because I'll get it wrong and then people will think this and this is what will happen so one of the things I always try and talk to people about whether it's about food whether it's about their training whether it's about their jobs or or whatever aspect of their lifestyle is all you can really do is be in the present moment and focus on what is it do you know right now? What, are, what is the information I have in front of me right now that's going to help me make the decision I need to make based on what I know now? And I think that's all you can do because life's not linear, right? You have to fail. You have to make mistakes because you, if you don't, you never learn. And you've got to think like, we're talking about you know, we, we've we've taken 18 19 20 year olds but then you can fast forward that 20 years and go actually there's a large population of people now you know myself included where you know we they have second careers and obviously these veterans obviously you know, 28 38 whatever you want however they need to be they're moving into a second part of chapter of their life or a third chapter of their life a second career potentially same mindset like don't be afraid to you know take a step take take, take a step to the left or to the right and step out but that's that fear is obviously what isolates those veterans. I'm Dave, like yourself, like, you know, that moment when you're a young man, now what, what do I go? What do I do? And it's like, well, it doesn't really matter. You just got to take, got to keep taking those little steps towards it. Uh, Dave, what's like, what would you say the average, like what defines a veteran? Like, as in a, is there an age, is there like a, like an age bracket to it? Is there like a ticket well, demographic? Yeah. If, if you're a career soldier and you've been in since you left school, mm-hmm. you're probably retiring or coming out, you do your 22 years you're going to be around the mid 40s early 40s mark yeah i think that, that would be um that would be someone who's leaving the military after doing the full service yep um other than that i would probably say a lot of the guys somewhere between five to ten years of service yep either way they've kind of committed to like a big chapter of their life you know they've become a particular version of themselves and you know like we you know and it, 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 it's not definitely doesn't need to define them but it obviously does at that point in their life but then it's like right now what and it's that it's that question it's that question that's humbling isn't it very scary yeah it's always that that i think with with the vets as well it's always 
that sort of period of their life, sort of their twenties, sort of twenties and thirties, which is quite a key time, uh, key time, isn't it? For when you're sort of growing up and working stuff out, and I think I think that's um, that's a large part to play in it as well. Because, like you say, they come out of the military and they've, they've had that in the last ten years. They're now thirty, and they're like, you know, I've got to think for myself and you know make these decisions and and take risks and all this sort of stuff that they haven't necessarily had to do because they've had a lot of stuff done for them. But coming back to like again about who you are like you've got to have balance in all those other areas and like all this isolation and this anxiety comes a lot from fixating on on one thing and not looking at all the other variables that make us human that make us like and know you know we we deal with a lot of people who are again performance driven all they think all they do is race you know run bike swim whatever but yet there's so much more to life than just training you know and, and as soon as you open the minds to eyes to that often things start to sort themselves out a little bit or they start to see a bit more but it's obviously the process behind doing that is obviously where the complexity come kind of come falls in you think that's more escapism for, for those guys which is why they are like that yeah i mean 100 percent. Yeah. <laughs> like you know i always say that people who become obsessive about food or exercise it's their way of denying difficult emotions Right. It's it's why so many people who do suffer with mental illness or do suffer with trauma, they they go into a sport because it provides you with a way of physically running away from your own thoughts that you don't want to have to deal with. The problem is that unless you deal with them, they're always going to be there and they keep coming back. And so, you know, you have to learn to sit with those difficult emotions. I was talking to um, a couple of my clients this week and I was like when was the last time you just sat for 20 minutes 20 minutes that's it and literally did nothing like just sat on the sofa with your thoughts not watching telly not reading a book not listening to music just sat and they're like no 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 I've always been a really busy person like I can't no no I've, that's always been me I'm sure I've got like restless syndrome I've got ADHD like they were they would defining themselves with all these these things and I was like but you don't it's just your you don't want to sit with those difficult emotions and it's really hard like as somebody who <laughs> has spent a lot of her life running away from her difficult emotions um but probably in the last 10 15 years has learned to sit with them it's really uncomfortable but th the thing I would say is the more you sit with them the more you realize they're never as awful as you've predicted. And the more you sit with them, the more you work stuff out, but also the the less fearful you become of what you're going to uncover. And that's something I always try and teach people is even if it's just 20 minutes a day, just try and sit and work out what is going on for you. It might be nothing, but it might be something. I've definitely sidestepped a few things in my life. Through fear of facing things, yeah. Which looking back now, some of them, you know, oh, that's ridiculous. But at the time, it was, you know, obviously a very you know, big thing. And I swerve around things or made decisions where I didn't have to do stuff. I think um, people will always do that, though. We will, we're all guilty of doing that. It's just if you always do that and it's the only way you approach it, then you're just running, you know, you're running and running. And I think we don't want to simplify a very complex issue here, which is obviously, you know, we're talking about individuals that are seeing and experiencing things that you know, I will, I will never understand fully, you know, and to simplify it. But I'm thought, you know, there is, 
you know what really saying there is to sit with it and to work it out and try and process it and that you know not doing it on your own you know like you cannot do this on your own there's there is no way you'll never do it on your own like you have to have those people around you professional or whoever like the uh, sounding boards that are able to have that kind of outside the box perception of you or even just as you david what you're looking to do is create an environment where people can at least be around other people that have potentially been in that same in those same shoes where you there's comfort it's comfort alone in just that you know in knowing that person next to you has suffered something similar and then from there that kind of begins allows you to then go back into yourself and go right how do I am I working this out and going back to what Rini was saying but you it's creating that environment that kind of safety that culture where and I think that's obviously what you're looking to looking to do yeah no, definitely and I think that's that's half the battle I think especially with vets is is getting them to actually reach out for help but rather than getting them to reach out for help which is which for some people is quite a hard thing to do just putting them in that environment where yeah. there's other people the easy way easier way to do it isn't it but the half the battle with vets especially guys that have been in a uh, an environment should we say uh, which is not normal to, to civilian people if you like um for a long period of time to come out of that into the real world and then be it expected to sort of reach out for help is quite a hard thing it's hard for blokes to do anyway isn't it sometimes you know being in touch with their emotions and stuff um but just creating an environment where you bring those people together to do something i think is half the battle by doing that you've already put them in that environment where they're chatting to other people that have experienced the same sort of thing as they have and then you've created that without them even realizing it. So, so i think it's a really useful thing to, or really great thing to do but so uh, i think that's the most challenging thing from what i've seen anyway. yeah i think it's i think it's important not to leverage competition i think you said right at the beginning you said about you know it's more about just creating an event a virtual event that you know that people can participate because competition is not is not I don't, I don't think it's the answer. Like, you know, that training harder is not the answer. You know, so many of people we work with where, you know, you're not like they, they want the be- they want more, you know, more, 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 you know, and they, and to kind of simulate that pain and that stress through training, which we know we can do. That's not, that's not what they want and that, but they don't know that, you know, and then obviously that's what you know, you're, you're creating an, uh, an opportunity for people to participate, to you know, engage, but not to flog themselves. And obviously that's, again, it's another way of just, kind of burying your head in the sand by finding more pain and more stress and competition isn't the answer a lot of the time so dave like what what's your vision in terms of obviously we've spoken about trying to potentially do something collaboratively in the future when we can Um, but um what is your vision like what is it that you would like to do next with project iron souls where where do you see it going and you know how can our how can our listeners help like what is it we can offer you because i think you know i like supporting all charities as much as i possibly can and i you know i you know i i did a um an event during lockdown with um a psychologist all about comfort eating and actually i donated my half of the money to a charity for um girls in uh ethnic minorities in in countries overseas where they don't get schooling because i feel like really passionate about things like that and obviously you know chris and i um we create the podcast off our own 
um, financing to, because we want to support people. Um, so obviously, you know, I love doing what I can in terms of supporting charities and particularly small charities that don't get any government funding. And, you know, I've, I've worked with, um, an eating disorder charity in the past called anorexia and bulimia care that didn't have any government funding. And we had to kind of always create ways of trying to keep the service going so that they could have a, a helpline that could support individuals with eating disorders, you know, nine to five every day, Monday to Friday. And, and, it's tough. It's a tough world to be in, and especially in our cl current climate. So what can we do? How can we support you? And, and like, what is it you think your next steps are? Yeah, so I, I mean, we're really in a very exciting time, really. So I mean, after the 24-hour the fitness event we did, I signed up with Ultra X to do the event in Jordan, which sadly obviously has been postponed, uh, cancelled because of the COVID thing. But we did a um, build-up event, running event, and that was another sort of community-focused event. I just I keep referring to them now as community events. Um, so those are the things that we're we've sort of been doing up until this point, where we've been more focused on um, the lockdown and isolation and that type of stuff, just giving um, guys and girls a purpose at the moment whilst they're stuck at home or they're unable to work. So up until this point, that's what we've been focused on. Now, we're in a sort of change period where we're starting to look forward, hopefully coming out of this into, into sort of towards the end of this year or next year. Um, our sort of, or my, my ideal scenario or focus would be to um, have a couple of events next year to start with. One would be, and this is obviously all depending on what happens with, with COVID, um, one would be a winter-based event um, and that would be in the mountains or trip and one would be a summer summer one and that could even be in the UK or wherever both of those trips would, would be the, the, the main focus um, and on those trips would just be a case of drawing all the people that I've met in and bringing a, a group of people together where we can offer an experience to, to help people um, this isn't going to be um, like a, a therapy based type situation it's more about um when i say therapy i mean sort of face-to-face counseling type setup it's going to be more about like i said taking guys into an environment and, and and helping them with stuff that whether it's leadership or um taking them out of their comfort zone doing a skill or something that they haven't done previously before that's the type of thing and whether that's in the mountains or whether we're in, in the sea or anything like that that's the type of setup so next year plan is is two events one at the beginning one at sort of mid to, to late summer um my my personal focus is to try and obviously raise as much money as i can for the charity um sorry my dog's in the dog pack. is that all i'm so it's sorry fine. All right, we've got one here as well. He's snoring, so it's fine. I thought it was, I thought it was Bailey, to be honest. So. No, no, no. Bailey's <laughs> asleep. He's snoring. Okay. It's all yeah. good. Oh, it's all good. Okay, sorry. It's my time really sniffing at the door. Um, so, yeah, so so I'm. that's how I ended up getting involved with Ultra X as well, is because I'm trying to, to use my experience through endurance events, um, whether it's your Ironmans or, or marathons, ultra marathons, whatever it is, to, to try and use that platform to raise awareness, meet people like yourself, um, and, and build an extension on that community through fundraising, through meeting other professionals that might be able to help. And I guess with regards to the, the listeners, if there's anyone out there that 
know, feels that they could offer any anything in regards to um, a, a skill or a, you know, I'm not really sure uh, the best way to describe it. Um, sorry, oh. sorry guys, I'm losing my chain of thought. Second. Back. Yeah, so with regards to the listeners, if there's any anyone out there that feels that they could contribute in any way really towards what we're trying to achieve um, with the guys. I mean, we are still, as I said, very much in the early stages. Uh, we're still actually setting the charity up. So the charity is still, or is currently going through the process of being registered at the moment. Um, and we're constantly meeting, literally constantly, week on week, I'm meeting different people that are being able to do things, whether there's, I have a lady that, work with that's doing talks um, with regards to PTSD so she works a lot in that area and she's helping me um, she's actually donating the money towards her and souls that she gets or receives from doing those events which is fantastic um, and a huge help and obviously through those circles of people we're meeting various different people that are, people that are able to help with charity from that side of stuff um, but with regards to the to the, the physical side of stuff, just anyone who feels like maybe they could offer anything like yourself, you know, like this, this type of stuff, where we can get the word out and just spread the word. It's the main thing, really. And, and obviously, if there's anyone that's vulnerable and needs our help. I think you're the right, Mark. I think, like, you know, right, the right communities, like as I said, there's a lot of people running from a lot of things at the moment, and, you know, who are you? And there's a lot of people that, although they're busy, they're still, yeah. and they're, just, you know, they're very, very busy people. They, uh, they you know, they, they got, you know, they're they're isolated, as it were. So it's um, no, you're a great message, buddy. And um, yeah, I think just putting it out there should be good. And I'm sure Chris and I will come up with something. Um, we'll definitely want to be involved in in some way. And 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 100. I know Dave and I we're going to talk more about what I can offer to the community because it's definitely something I want to be involved with. And um, yeah, guys, if there's any of you who feel you want to get involved or you want to help or you can come up with any ideas that maybe we can do as a collaborative Train Brave community as well, um, you know, send them in and um, we'll put them to Dave and see what we can come up with. And yeah, hopefully soon it won't have to be virtual events because I'm getting a bit bored of virtual events, if I'm honest. But, um, you know, but you're coming to the peaks, right, Dave? Yes. I am indeed. I will be there. Yeah. So we'll definitely be there. We'll get some. Uh, we'll get some photos and videos of, uh, of 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 trying to climb up Mam Tor. But um, it should be fun. It should be fun. Um, Dave, thank you so much. You have been a brilliant guest, and we've really enjoyed listening to um, your journey and what you've been up to, and and why you're doing what you're doing. I think, you know, Train Brave has always been a platform where we just want to provide support and. Um, you know, it's nice to do something a little bit different as well. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on board. And um, we're looking forward to following your progress and seeing if you get these veterans out in the mountains. I'm very excited. Can I come? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to it. Fingers crossed. Hopefully next year is going to be a better year for everyone. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Anyway, it's lovely to speak to you. And um, you better get your dog out. <laughs> so I'll, uh, we'll speak to you again very soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dave.